Well, thank you for um, joining me this morning. Yeah, of course. And for writing such a lovely, clever and funny book at a time, oh, I think, when we need it the most. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, it's great. I loved it. And it's out um, in hardback, which is fabulous, on the 18th of March. I love a hardback. Yeah. And um, how about sort of uh, ebooks, that sort of thing? Is it coming out? Um, is that before or well, is that, how does that work? Ebook and audiobook actually came out yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that's available now. Um, and then, yeah, another three weeks to go for the hardback. Right. Okay. Ebook and audio. So, okay. Do you mind if I read the blurb? Because, no, of course. I think that's quite nice for sometimes for the um, listeners to get a bit of an idea of what we're talking about yeah. here. Okay. So, brutally dumped by her girlfriend, Ali is homeless, friendless, and jobless, but at least she has Malcolm. Wounded and betrayed, Ali has made off with the one thing she thinks might soothe the pain, Emily's cat. After a long train journey, she arrives home to her dad in Sheffield, ready to fold herself in her duvet and remain on the sofa for the foreseeable. Her dad has other ideas. A phone call later and Ali is reunited with her first ever beard and friend of old, Jeremy. He is too broken hearted and living at home. In an inspired effort to hold each other up, the pair decide to sign up for the local half marathon in a bid to impress their exes with their commitment and athless... Ath- I can't even say that word this morning. I think I do need some caffeine. <laughs> you know, being being athletes, basically. Given neither of them can run, the enlist <laughs> the support of athletic, not to mention beautiful Joe. But will she have them running for the hills or will their ridiculous plan pay off? So there we go. How does that sound? That sounds strange after really having strange. written the book and then having somebody read it. I was so, like, so oh strange. yeah, I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and because I, um, I'm being slightly funny about, so when I got the proofs back, I did read them. I did read it through once um, because that is the very responsible thing to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I, I am so, um, like I got the a copy of the audio book yesterday and I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to listen to it like it's so odd like hearing your own stuff back and I actually spoke to um Imogen Church who's reading the audiobook and she she won't be listening either so that's both of us out (laughs) Mm. (laughs) so hopefully other people are listening I'm the same I can't listen to my audiobooks but I think I will do at some point I'd like to because everybody says they are brilliant and obviously listening to audiobooks is a completely different experience to reading a book Mm. because obviously the if you especially if you get a good narrator and they you know they're going to put all the emphasis in the right places and and that sort of thing and not doing weird accents which always throws me yeah. <laughs> when suddenly you've got a female or um, female narrator and suddenly she goes very deep to try to do a man's voice that's like really throws me every time <laughs> but, um, yeah um yeah that could be on to a question actually about uh what sort of how do you read are you an audio book girl because i know a lot of um authors i've spoken to recently have gone to the uh dark side as they say to listening to audio and putting down those paperbacks yeah so no i'm not and i i really thought that i was going to get into audiobooks because of going on all the walks the daily walks um mm. and so i i you know i got board i've downloaded some books and i just i can't get into them that way that's obviously not how I um best absorb things so I I just read I read on the Kindle um which is fine I have like a very very ancient Kindle so that I'm not staring at a screen again um and yeah then it's 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 books all the way Mm. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I know I've just completely digressed, but I will just jump straight in and we'll go back to talking about the split. Oh, yes. And I'll just jump straight in and discuss our lesbian protagonist because it is rare. Mm. And this is probably the first book that I have read where the central character is openly gay. But that's not what the story is about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's either I've read stories where the characters are hiding their sexuality, they're unaware or... And there's maybe some sort of subplot or there's a, a side character that kind of comes in and you're like, oh, is that person gay or aren't they? But this, you know, the plot relies heavily on that sexuality as, as part of the plot. But this split is a lovely story of friendship, of love and cats. <laughs> and we're not waiting for anything to sort of come out at the end. Excuse the pun, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and like, I didn't mean that. <laughs> that was perfect. Popped out of my mouth. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, it... it um... It never occurred to me to write a, a story about coming out. Um, and I I think that's just because of the stage of life that I'm at. I, um, mm. I'm married, you know, I've been out for uh, such a long time. So it's just not part of my um, life anymore. Um, mm. And so the characters that came to me weren't at that stage of their lives either. And it did occur to me that I, I hadn't, so I really wrote the book that I would like to read. Like I, I, there's a place for all um, sort of queer literature, whether that's um, coming out stories or sort of um, stories about people overcoming adversity and struggles and things like that. But I really wanted to read something where they, people were like enjoying their lives and like just dealing mm. with normal day-to-day things where their sexuality is like not a part of it because I'm fortunate enough that day-to-day my sexuality isn't something that comes up like which is a huge privilege but I I really wanted to read something like that and then you know I wrote it so you wrote it yeah I know it's really really refreshing I mean we're slowly starting to see I think um lesbian and gay relationships depicted on the screen and the old advert pops up I notice from time to time the same thing same-sex couples but I mean overall why do you think heterosexual characters are the norm still in so much certainly modern literature um I that's a really good question I I think um I think it's because publishing is overwhelmingly straight as well as overwhelmingly Mm. white um Mm, yeah uh, so there is um I guess there's a market that people are used to appealing to which is the straight white market, which is does uh, hopefully seem to be slowly changing. Um, but I, I, I think it's, yeah, I don't, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but like, as you say, like, I think there is more and more sort of starting to, to appear. Like when you said mm-hmm. about um, same sex, you know, couples depicted on screen, the first thing that came into my mind was Shit's Creek. Have you watched it? I haven't. No, uh, so, I've heard of it. And yeah, the hashtag not on Twitter popping up. It's be- it's been like this absolute phenomenon, like especially during lockdown, where I think everyone binged it on Netflix. Um, and mm. I just think that's a really like wonderful example of um gay characters being portrayed on screen where their sexuality is not the plot. The the mm. like it's really got nothing to do with it. It's just about their mm. lives, and it's pure joy as well which is Mm. a really rare thing um and I think the success of that and it being so mainstream um can only be a great thing really for uh, for people Mm. that make the decisions to see that there is such a appetite and such a market for 
like queer stories mm. Mm. yeah I think I remember reading a book once I won't say what it was but it's just popped into my head then actually where the twist at the end was that both of the characters I think it was a thriller mm. um were female and that they were gay and that was the twist and I remember feeling oh, yeah. so disappointed because I'd been fooled the entire time thinking that one was a male and one was a female but then the way it was written um was that you just didn't know <laughs> you just presumed this was a man and this was a woman and that was it yeah and so, oh yeah I was really really disappointed with that and it's you know that's not the sort of thing you want to be reading you don't want to be you know hoodwinked into thinking one way and then no. it being revealed in that sense you know that's yeah. what I love so much about it's just it's just a book about people and that's it you know you don't need to be feeling anything else whilst you're reading it yeah I think that's really important and like I I think when um I think about my queer readers reading this book like I I want people to be able to you know relax into it like a hammer is not going to fall and something absolutely Mm. terrible is going to happen to this character because of their sexuality like that is definitely not what it's about and it's certainly not going to be like yeah I mean that's so uh, that the book that you described just sounds um terrible <laughs> like that just sounds yeah awful. Like, yeah it was it, such it like, was yeah dangerous thing for queer people to be like we trick and the trick was that they were gay all along like it's so uh, just <laughs> dreadful I remember yeah. all the people I think I read it in a book club group and I remember everyone being like oh and I, remember, I was like what what <laughs> <Ridiculous>. <laughs> Um, anyway, you just said a moment ago that you wrote the book that you wanted to read. Mm. So I suppose that's quite a good base to start with a writing goal. So write what you read. Do you have any other mantras that you follow or anything that you'd give out as advice to aspiring authors? Because I will get on to talking about your um, what you do for the uh, right now um, mm. as a mentee later. But what, what's your kind of mantra or is that um, something that you would give advice for aspiring writers? So... Um... I think yeah so write what you want to read is really important um but so is so I I came up with my characters before I really came up with the plot um so I really felt like I knew them inside out by the time I was writing what they were doing um and then it just made sense to me you know oh they would do this they would do that they would have this conversation um that would be really out of character for her so she would never you know do that sort of thing mm-hmm. um it made the whole thing much easier I'm not really someone who plans meticulously like I might have a rough idea of what I want to happen um uh in order but I certainly won't plan out every chapter um which I don't I don't know like perhaps there would be some merit to doing that I prefer to just write um come out with like a pretty shocking first draft and then go back and like Mm. make sure that um it makes sense I would say probably the only other thing that I would advise is to write even when you don't feel inspired to write Mm. just like treat it like anything like I would I would um compare it to saying even if you don't feel like going for a walk if you just do 10 minutes around the block you'll probably feel better just to get some fresh air and it's the same thing with writing just write for 10 minutes even if it's rubbish throw Mm. it away just get into the practice of it and just really just bash it out I think those bare getting those bare bones down is really important I think one of the things that puts off aspiring writers is that is they don't know where to start and they're sort of thinking they have to perfect this first draft and get everything down that they need to get down out of their head and then they worry about it so much that they end up not doing it yeah whereas it is just 
blur just vomit as much out as you can and, and deal with it later totally like it is it is not going to be good I think that's like something that people um you're right it totally puts people off that they might read like the first thousand words and just think oh this is rubbish like I'm not it's not coming out how I want it to it's not like it is in my head it's like it's not going to be it's not going to be for another like four drafts what was in your yeah. head so if, if I think if you can just get it down that's like half the battle um yeah even if it's rubbish yeah and I'm following lots of authors on Twitter and at the moment I, there's people are really sharing the messiness of their brains of their writing mm. brains quite openly I think um I'm getting quite a good insight into people's word counts and their writing styles and I think that's nice it's such a solitary job and our poor suffering partners can only take so much of our thinking out loud and people aren't going to write groups or retreats at the moment are they so it's a nice place to exchange ideas with people but um so it feels kind of a lot more prominent at the moment but what kind of writer are you do you like to share things on twitter about your writing um progress are you a planner do you have set times mm. do you use notebooks what what do you do so um i don't really share things i i might share um if i've finished something or sent something off um or if i've had something like a really funny edit like um yeah no I I don't really like share progress (laughs) um but I um in fact I don't really share my work like at all for a long time where I I could probably do that Mm. uh, more um I don't really have set times for working I just make sure that I do a certain amount every day although that has gone out the window recently um I try to you know give myself like a time slot rather than a word um a word count to get to um just Mm. so if I say I'll just do half an hour and see what I can do um yeah and then yeah and I write in notebooks all the time I have so many notebooks a ridiculous amount of notebooks I am sort of Mm. obsessively by them and then Mm. write in sort of like oh this is going to be my notebook and for the next book yeah. and it's going to be filled with all of this and then I'll write in like three pages of it and then I'll buy a new one and then like, yeah <laughs> like, I'm not sure that any of it is particularly useful but I, I suppose maybe it just like um if I just like jot the odd thing down it might help it stick in my brain or like maybe it helps me work out like knotty bits of plot if mm. I can write things in a different order because sometimes staring at the screen just the brain fog yeah. descends yeah totally and there is something really nice about writing in a new notebook it feels mm. like the first day at school doesn't it when you open yeah. those crisp it does um <laughs> a5 uh, little notebooks that we used to write in at school jotters um so yeah I'm going to take you back a notch I know it's a cliche question for authors but it's one that I still like answering I'm fascinated by it all the time I know aspiring authors and readers equally are interested in so Tell us a little bit about your journey to publication. I know you've written for The Guardian, so you've done journalism before, but what was the road to, to novels? So I um, I had started writing this novel, oh gosh, in about 2017. Um, I, I'd sort of written a few chapters and um, I don't know, it's kind of worked out what I wanted to do. And then I saw um, that, the Penguin Right Now program were accepting applications, which is um, a scheme for people who um, are less represented in publishing. So LGBTQ, um, people of colour, um, like uh, working class, uh, like all, all kinds of 
people who are maybe mm. their stories are not told as prominently in publishing. Um, so I applied for that and was fortunately went through a few rounds and was selected as one of the 10 mentees for the 2018 cohort. Mm. Um, and that program was really great. So I got um, assigned an editor who um, I worked with for about a year um we met a few times and um so she would look up drafts and give me edits and that kind of thing and then once we, I was confident that I had a you know a manuscript that was good good enough um I uh queried agents and found my agent and it all kind of mm. snowballed from there <clears throat> wow that's amazing I mean you must have felt like you'd won the lottery when you got selected yeah to be one of the mentees yeah I did <laughs> it was it was yeah. it was invaluable it was it was amazing and it gave me that extra because querying agents like as anyone who um you know wants to be an author or is an author knows um is such a difficult process and so um so stressful and you spend the whole time like staring at your emails and you've been told to expect loads and loads of rejections and you know this it's such an intense thing and it just the being having done right now really just gave me so much more confidence behind my my cover letter behind my synopsis like I I sort of had this belief that it was good before I sent it mm. out which I just think mm. yeah made all the difference mm. yeah definitely and I presume like most authors, you're a voracious reader. Um, do you have huge to be read piles? What's on your pile this year and what are you dying to get to? So, yes, I do have a huge pile of books. I've been reading really, um, it's been kind of all over the place. Like when lockdown started almost a year ago, um, I couldn't read anything. Like I just couldn't concentrate for ages. Um, mm. And then I read all of the Wolf Hall trilogy in one go. Like I just read oh, them God, back wow. to back for hours and hours and hours every day. Thank you very much. Um, the biggest <laughs> achievement probably of the past year. Um, and <laughs> I just, it became completely obsessed with them. And that um, sort of sparked being able to read again. Um, so yeah, I mean, at the moment I'm reading a book called Detransition Baby, um, which is really good um I'm really enjoying it um but I've been reading other things like I've just reread all of Bridget Jones I've um okay yeah I've I just read an amazing debut called Girl A which was like okay yeah really hyped and then turned out to be really good <laughs> like lived up to oh, okay life. good yeah yeah so I've got a massive I've got a massive um pile of books to get through um but I am getting through them I'm reading loads at the moment and do you sent do you get sent a lot of proofs and if you do do you how do you decide what you're going to read between those and your own choices um so i do get sent some proofs i um i tend to read to be honest i read the ones that really um grab me and the ones that i probably would pick up and buy anyway mm. um but i also try and pay attention to when things are being published and if there's something that I really really want to read and and um talk about ahead of a publication I, I will try and prioritize that like I've actually mm -hmm. just read um uh Matt Cain's 
new book that's coming out in May, The Secret Life of Albert Entwistle. Entwistle. And that was beautiful. Such a lovely book. Yeah, like I couldn't recommend it more. So that kind of Mm. thing. I mean, as soon as I got that, I started reading it that same day. Yeah. And is there anything that you're desperate to get your hands on? Book quest that you're battering down the doors of publishers say I need to read that before anyone else <laughs> yes I want to read Taylor Jenkins Jenkins reads new book which I think is out in May um Malibu Rising I love her and yeah. obviously Sally Rooney which comes yeah. out in September yeah. yeah yeah really excited about both of those actually brilliant okay and so the split by Laura Kay is out in hardback by Quirkus on March the 18th. It's actually now out now in ebook and audio, sorry, did you say? Yes, yeah. Okay, where can listeners and fans find you and connect with you? So I'm on Instagram on Laura E. K. I'm on Twitter, Laura Eliza K. Um, and that's it. <laughs> that's where I am. And I'm on both of those platforms like quite a lot. Um, yeah. So yeah. Cool. So how would it be celebrating? Because March the 18th is just on the cusp of restrictions lifting. So will it be another virtual promo for you or will you wait to celebrate properly? So lots of virtual stuff that week and the following week. And then we're on March the 29th, which means I can do a little celebration outside. Um, And then, yeah, the following month, hopefully there'll be some in-person stuff because bookshops are back open on the 12th of April, I think. Oh wow! Which is really soon, and only a only like three weeks or something after the book comes out. So I'm hoping to get to do some actual stuff. Oh, that'd be really exciting! 